good morning, everybody. We're so glad you're here with us. And this first Sunday in April, if you can believe it, we're already in April. A third of the year has already gone by. It's just crazy to even think about. And um, just the, where does time go? It's flying by so quickly. And I was telling staff um, yesterday that this is the first week that I didn't know what I was going to be preaching on because we've been doing the ingredients series. And I'm going to do my best to not slip back in because that's my favorite scripture. But if you missed any of the ingredients series, you can go back and check them out on our YouTube channel, on our live TV channel. We've got all those things there and all those resources. And I'm not going to do a commercial, but I'm just letting you know that they're there. This week, I want you to be in prayer for what we've got going on. We've got some meetings going on this week that could be very, very pivotal of what our next step is at a church. So I just want to let you guys have that little teaser and let you know. So, hey, if you think about it during the week, be praying, particularly on Tuesday, that God's will will be done. This past week was a very significant one for me. And I always keep track of this more than I keep track of my actual birthday. And that was on Thursday, April the 5th. It was 45 years ago that I knelt at an altar and I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart at a little country Southern Baptist church in the middle of a field, literally in the middle of a field. We were very outstanding in our field. Every time we left church, we were outstanding in the field until we got to our cars. Anyway, that's my terrible joke for the day. But... Um, we went to this revival, and every night we would go, and we're so faithful going. I grew up in a family that was in church, and as we're there in the end of the service and the evangelist was giving his plea, I went down to the altar as this little seven-year-old boy to pray for souls to be saved, and as I was there, I felt the Lord say, I want you. So as, as I went back to my seat, the, the service was over. I was tugging on my mom's um, dress and saying, Mom, Jesus wants me. Jesus wants me. And, I, and I'm sure I was, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Jesus wants you. He wants all of us, you know. But, but anyway, she was very gracious. We went up and we met with the evangelist. And off to the side of the stage, he led me in the prayer to accept Jesus is my Savior, 45 years ago. So that's a milestone for me. And as I, as I said, that... That is really something that's really significant in my life. So I wanted to share that with you. And it's really funny. I was noticing the different posts on Facebook. Every year I post something about it. But every year I would say, next year, I can't wait. Man, that's the year we're going to be in full-time ministry that everything's going to go on. And here we are going on four years of being in full-time ministry as a church and all the different seasons and the different things that we have stepped through. And here we are where we find ourselves this morning. Well, I'm going to jump right into it. And as we're transitioning out of the ingredients series and, and what it means to live a life to the full that Jesus describes in John 10.10, 10, this, the bumper video we used last week kept going over and over again. And it was very, uh, the spoken word, and it was kind of a, a, a different bumper than we normally use. And it was a little bit weird to me because it's out of my comfort zone, but it's very contemporary the guy kept saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And that kept echoing in my mind. And this week, as I was going through and just going through my week and just the regular day-to-day and touching lives and, and ministering with the people we have intentionality with, I had this thought, and I want to challenge you with it as well. What does it mean that Jesus loves sinners? What does that mean to you? Because as we're 
preparing for some next steps in our media stuff. We're going to be doing a podcast and interviewing people, and that's going to be one of the questions I asked them. But our pastor in Florida, Pastor Tad, posted about a very controversial subject months ago that someone said something that everybody in the Christian world was all upset about. And I'm not going to, the purpose is not to dive into that topic, but he made this two-sentence post, and he said blank when he was talking about the issue, is sin. The next line, and Jesus loves sinners. And I thought, you know, that really boils it down. So whatever you would fit in that blank that we would say is sin or missing the mark, we all fall into that category. I do. I'm not going to say you do, but we all do. But Jesus loves sinners. So what does that mean to us? If you'll turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And I'm certain that God, who began the good work, look at that, within you. So who is it that began this work in us? Who, who is it that's doing this transition? Whenever I was that little seven-year-old boy at the altar kneeling and saying, I want Jesus, I'm going to accept you in my heart. When was it he started that work? It's that moment that you ask him into your life. He began a good work, and it's within you. It's not ex- outside of you. It's not external to you. It's inside of you. Look at the next part of that verse. And he will continue his work. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It wasn't just, okay, you say that prayer, and okay, now you're just on your own. Okay, next. No, he's completely sold out into being involved and working in your life. And he continues. Look at this. His work. It's his work. It's not even my work to see that God's will and, and plans and purpose comes into my life. It's his work. He has great plans for us, it says in Jeremiah 29. He has great plans for us. It's, it's his work, and he's the one who continues it, and the rest of it says, and he's going to keep working on it until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. It means we're going to keep working out our salvation, another place says, with fear and trembling. And there's the moment of salvation when we ask Jesus into our heart. Then there's the daily things that we have that we just keep working. He keeps working in us. It's this ongoing work in progress that we find ourselves in. So if you can now put it all together, I love it. And I'm certain that God who began this good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. When did God begin it? When you took that step, that first initial step to, to say yes to him, to accept him into your life. Last week we saw a scripture in Revelation 3.20 that says that Jesus is standing at the door and knocks. And, and I mentioned that we look at that often, that we think that that's just at salvation whenever, okay, you, you, you haven't accepted Christ yet, and he's there at your door and he's knocking saying, hey, will you let me in? Can I come in yet? And then you let him in, and that's it. But it says he can, once you let him in, He sits down with you, and he fellowships with you. See, coming in, and I believe he's still knocking at our doors going, hey, can I come in? There's still more I want to share with you. Hey, there's more work that I've got going on. So my question, first of many this morning, have you opened that door? 
Have you opened that door the first time to accept him in to start that process so he starts that work in your life? And then are we continuing for the other areas of our life that he says, hey, I still want to continue my work in your life. Repent. For the kingdom of God is near. That, that comes from John the Baptist. And we see in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And in those days John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. And he also had a, an angel appear to his parents before he was born and said, Hey, he's going to be the forerunner. And this is a great, great place and choice that God has for him. And this is what he's going to do. So before Jesus is even on the scene, John the Baptist is out there. And he's preaching, verse 2, saying, repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. Now, just to put a little context in this, Jesus was sent to the earth as God wrapped in a baby. And then he comes onto the earth, and then he's about to step into his destiny, into his completion of God's will for him on this earth to show that he can live as God in the same um, type of things. It says he was tempted like we are. He's about to step into that. And before he steps into that, John is out there saying, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. Like it's never been as close as it is right now through all of the thousands of years since Adam and Eve till right now. Man, it, it's almost here, guys. Like repent because it's close. It reminds me of a joke. I don't have this in my nose. But it always cracks me up and I can't find the actual picture of it. But it's these two pastors, I think it was a priest and a pastor sitting on the side of a road and there's a bridge coming up and it says, be prepared, the end is near and everybody's throwing bottles at him and stuff and cussing at him and saying, oh, you preachers, stop being um, so, you know, religious and all that stuff. And then one turns to the other and says, maybe we should change it to say the bridge is out. <laughs> anyway, so that cracks me up. So he's saying the end is near. I mean, the, the heaven is near. It's like it's never been more near. Like I, I, he's walking. He's my cousin. I can't tell you all that, but he's here. It's right here. Hey, guys, come, 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 repent. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14, and after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, saying, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. See, Jesus is saying the same words, and right after Jesus was baptized by John, he immediately went out after being tempted and started saying the exact same words, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now in verse 15, it says the time has come. So what was near is now. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And in Luke 11, verse 2, he says, and most people know this, and I did it in the New King James because it's more, it rolls off our tongue like we grew up, at least I grew up, hearing. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is near. It's coming up. It's almost here. We're right here. We're standing upon it. Your kingdom come is what we're supposed to be praying for, that it is on earth as it is in heaven. We're on the threshold. We're, we're standing right on it. It, it. It's so near to you. You don't even know how close the kingdom of heaven is. But both of them are saying, John the Baptist and Jesus, both are saying, repent. 
And, and I don't know about you, but even if you weren't raised in church like I was, you have heard repent. And there's usually crazy people out there, and they're, they're saying crazy things. And that's why people are throwing that stuff and my joke at the two pastors that were on the side of the road. Because people say repent, and we have this religious idea in our mind what repent means. Let me ask you a question. What do we think repent means? If, if I had to ask you for a definition, I looked for some, those street interviews where they go out and ask people randomly. I, I'm so hoping I could find some because I'm sure there's just gems there of hilarity. What does repent mean to you? And usually to me, it means that, you know, you're a terrible person and you need to get your life right. And, and the image I have in my mind is like grabbing somebody by their, by their shirt and like shaking them like, stop it. You need to maybe smack him around a little bit, you know. Like, you need to repent. And, and you see Jesus and you hear about John the Baptist and you're like, ah. And I cringe when I hear repent. I don't know about you. So religious. It's such a negative connotation in my mind that I don't want to hear repent. I've been saved, as I said, for 45 years. I don't want to hear repent. Why would anybody who doesn't know Christ yet, when you come to them and say repent, that image, even if you don't know Christ, is like, ah. So I looked it up. And because I'm not a Greek scholar, and my, Michael asked me if I was going to try and say the words, I am not. Nope. But this is the literal word that John the Baptist and Jesus both used when it says repent. Look what it means. To change one's mind or purpose. That's not at all what I thought repent meant. That's not at all the connotation that I've had in my mind. So Jesus and John the Baptist is like, hey, change your mind about God. Change your purpose because the kingdom of heaven is near. And it says it comes from two different Greek words, and those words mean with or among, or to perceive or to think. It's about your mind. How do you think? I have to be honest, that's more challenging to me. Because if it's not just something religious that I cringe and go, oh, I don't want to think about this, it kind of hits more home that I need to change my mind, change how I think, change my purpose. See, my purpose may be just living for me. Hey, it's all about me getting a buck, and, and I'm just going to strive after that dollar, and I'm going to chase the dollar, or I'm going to chase after this, or I'm going to chase after building a kingdom, or I'm going to build after all these things. But if I change it to God's view, that kingdom of heaven comes to the earth because it's near me, and I change my mind to that, I'm going to change my purpose. And as a result, my life is going to change. Another version of that in the NIV says, and from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Change your mind or your purpose. That's what repent means. We have a short video from Pastor Chris Hodges. I know the life that we all could be living, and, and, and I know it's closer than you think it is, and it's more in, in, in reach than you think it is. 
and it frust- I get frustrated just a little bit sometimes knowing that your best life is closer than you think it is. And I just want to be a little beep beep guy. I just want to be a little, little honk. Let's go and, 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 and get us unstuck from the place that we're going. I found a great quote. You probably heard it before. Stephen Covey says, if we keep doing what we've been doing, we're going to keep getting what we're getting. And for a lot of us, we expect life to be better. We have hopes. I mean, your hopes are high. Your habits are low. So your hopes are here, but your habits are here. So your hopes are there, but your actions are this way. You're not going to get there unless something changes from what we're doing. Now, this was the central message of all of Jesus' sermons. In fact, when Jesus started preaching, the Bible says from that time on, he started preaching. So from every time he opened his mouth, he basically formed his messages around this, this thought, and that is the thought of repentance. And most people think repentance is someone holy coming up to an unholy person and telling them how bad they are. That's not the word repent. Repent means, metanaeo means to whatever direction your mind or your body is traveling in, change it. Just change your mind, change your direction. Change your mind, change your direction. So what Jesus was doing is he was coming alongside of people who were stuck in the same place, wanting a better life, but living here. And he just basically put the BB on him and said, hey, you can change. You can do it now. In fact, you can do it by getting a different king. You have to have the wrong king. If you're the king over your own life, you're going to find out you're not a very good king. But if you'll get the kingdom of heaven, come on, say amen right there. If you'll get the kingdom of heaven in your life, you're going to find out that God knows a whole lot more about running our lives than we do. He's better at it. And the results are better as well. And then that it's at hand. So it's close. He says, it's just right here. You think it's a lot of work. You think there's a lot involved in this. And so what I am trying to do is to get us all just a bit unstuck. Now, here's my thesis for the day today. And that is, I think it's God time. And what I mean by that, I think it's time to have more of God in our lives. What I mean by that is there's most of us in this room have some of God in us. I mean, you even have enough God in you to come to church. For most of you, you already have made him the Lord of your life and you're going to heaven. But the question is, has God had the right to all the areas of your life? Does he have them all? And until he has them all, he can't do his best work inside of you. His best work inside of you. That it's his work. It's his, his plan that he's got going on in your life. Now, it, you probably don't have a message Bible with you, but let's look at Romans chapter 13, verse 11 out of the message Bible. It'll be on the screen here for you. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted and taken care of your, all of your day by day obligations. Just stop right there. Doesn't that make you tired just hearing that saying? That you, don't you? I get so absorbed in what's going on and I come home exhausted or maybe I'm halfway through my day and I'm exhausted by all of my day by day obligations. Just the, the grind of every day and what we've got going on from work and family and just everything in the world it can get us. He says, hey, don't get so absorbed in that that you lose track of the time and doze off. How about this? And become oblivious to God. The night is about to be over and dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work. He began when you first believed. Can I tell you a few things this morning if you're taking notes? These might be some things I want you to really key into and hone on. Number one, the time is near. 
Even now, as, as we're standing here, Easter is 14 days away. It's the number one time of the year that people will say yes if you invite them to come to church with you. It's the number one time of the year. In fact, there's a joke that there are CEOs all around us. They go to church on Easter and Christmas only. And, and that's many, many people. And when you invite them, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Costco is even closed on Easter Sunday. I mean, come on, somebody. I mean, everybody is going to be available and looking for something to do. And even if it's just like, okay, I got to, you know, try and look really good. And, and that's a day I'm going to actually wear a suit. We're not going to be casual. We're going to dress up a little bit and do a little bit extra, you know, for God on that day for Easter. Many people love that dressing up. It's 14 days away. The time is near. The time is near also for you to change the way you think. That's the whole purpose of church. That's the whole purpose of what we do here. It's a place for you to belong, but it's a place that you can learn how you belong and that you belong, and you change your mind to fit into the kingdom of heaven. The time is here for you to give God control over the areas of your life that you thought you could do it by yourself or on your own. God, I don't need you about this one. I got this one. No, 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 God, we're not going to look in this room. I, there's nothing to see. You know, look over here. Look, at, look how good I did over here. And, and No, no, he wants all of us. But I love how that, that word, the literal definition of repent, means to change your mind, change your purpose. But what if we put that together? Not trying to be trite, not to be tricky with the words or wordsmithing this, but if I change my mind, I'm going to change my purpose. If I start changing my mind away from the things of God, I'm going to start changing my purpose and I'm going to stop walking in the things of God. If I start changing my mind to the things of God, I'm going to see my purpose starting to shift. Where I'm looking is where I'm going to go. Where my mind is going is where I'm going to find myself in life. This is the good news. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus says, take into your local city and to your country and into the entire world. It's you can change your mind because the kingdom of heaven is right in front of you. A few scriptures I want us to look at really quick. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by name, by name, God speaking here, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. God says, I will hear from I will hear you. I'll hear your prayers. And I'll forgive their sin and will hear their land. Proverbs 28 says, Verse 13, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them, look at that, finds mercy. Acts 3, 19 says, repent, here it is again, repent and then turn to God. Change the way you think, change your purpose and turn to God. Follow after God so that your sins will be wiped out. You're going to change the way you're doing. You're going to stop having those nagging habits and those nagging things. You're like, man, I really wish I could change this, but I can't seem to quit doing it. And you fill in the blank. Look at this, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Everybody that I talk to, almost without exception, every day of the week, always tell me they're struggling with anxiety and they've got all these panic attacks. They've got all these things. Times are refreshing. Sounds amazing. 
I was thinking about making an analogy of going on vacation, but sometimes going on vacation is not times of refreshing. You feel like wiped out when you get home. But think about times of refreshing and just like, (sighs) that's what happens when you change your mind and you change your purpose. Luke 15, verse 10. I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels of God when just one sinner repents. When one person who's been chasing after doing life their way says, I'm going to have a change of mind and I'm going to now follow God, all of heaven breaks out into a party going, yeah, but why? Why does that happen? I believe it's because they see that you'll get it. What, what God says hey, I, in the Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He's like, hey, bring, we want to pull heaven down into our lives. We need to change what you think so you can do this. And man, somebody does this, like, yeah, you get it. It's not just about we got one more person in heaven versus one in hell. Okay, we're going to wipe this one off. Okay, there's one less, one over in this column. It's not about columns. It's about what's going on in your life. Again, if you're a note taker, here's some things for you. So if you change your mind or you change your purpose, which is repent, this is what's going to happen. The kingdom of heaven is near. You're so close. It brings the kingdom of heaven into your life. You make it a part of your daily life. Maybe it's, it's the simple things that you start the first 15, that you wake up in the morning, and the first five minutes that you spend of the day, you're reading the word of God, or you, you listen to a worship song, or you pray and you read the one-year Bible, you, maybe you do that little simple change, or you go out of your way to do the acts of kindness, or all the different things that we could talk about. It's something that switches into your daily life. When you change your mind, God hears your prayers. That's amazing that God will hear my prayers. Think about all the people in the world that are out there, and all of a sudden, Kevin just starts talking, and God's like, what was that? I heard, oh, Kevin's talking. You're talking. It brings mercy. And I don't know about you, but I need mercy in my life. I desperately have need of a Savior in my life. He says, when you repent, when you change your mind, when you change your purpose, it brings mercy. It brings times of refreshing. And it causes rejoicing in heaven. Okay, note note takers, here's your challenge for the day. Challenge you to write this one down and put it on your mirror, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your dash on your car, not over where your gas light is or where your speedometer is. We don't want anybody getting tickets and, you know, that goes to church here. Shots fired. Um, But here's one for you to write down. It's Matthew 3, and we're going to put it up on screen so you can see it and write it down. Verse 8. Produce fruit, look at this, in keeping with repentance. See, it's not simply just something of saying, I'm going to change my mind. Okay, yeah, 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 it's Sunday. Yeah, 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 Jesus, that's good. Monday, eh, Tuesday. No, we should be bearing fruit that is evidence that I've changed my mind. We should be bearing fruit that I have, have evidence to those around me to say, hey, there's something different about you. Can't quite put my finger on it. I see you going through struggles too. I see you going through problems and it doesn't get you like it gets me. 
we produce fruit in keeping with repentance. My challenge is put that where you can see it and let it jog your memory this week. Maybe for every day of the rest of your life. See, this isn't just a today. This is a forever. If you will, bow your heads with me this morning. Where do you find yourself this morning? I know that people are watching us all around the world and listening to our podcasts and those that are here with us in the building. People may be listening to this six months or years from now even. Right now, where do you find yourself? What have you done with, that, with Jesus standing at the door of your life knocking? And if you're starting to feel that pressure, like, uh, uh, that's him knocking, saying, hey, I'm still here. Will you let me in? Has all of heaven rejoiced because you started to change your mind and you started bringing heaven into your life? You changed your mind and you changed your purpose. Are you living life on purpose? If you want to take this journey, today may be the first step in that journey. Today may be the next step in that journey. It may be, I've opened some doors up to God, but I want to open more today. I want to open all of them. If that's you, I just want to invite you to say the simple prayer with me. I'm just going to help you with the words. It's not a magical prayer. It's not about joining a church. It's about a personal relationship with the one who loves you. Say, Jesus, I've tried to do it on my own. My life's a mess, and I need you. I ask you to come live inside me. Save me. Change me. Show me what and how to do it. Today I'm changing my mind, not living by what I see. But I choose to trust what your word says. I put my faith in you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. Maybe it's for the very first time in their life that they're, they're repenting. They're making a change in their mind and their, their purpose is about to change. Or maybe, like me, they've prayed that prayer thousands, countless times. And yet today it's another chance to, to see my mind change. For me to repent and say, God, I, I've missed it. There's still some areas that I'm trying to do it on my own. And I'm going to submit them to you. Lord, I give you all the glory and all the honor. And I bless everyone who prayed that prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you'll pull your connection card out. And we'll finish filling those out. And there's a bucket as, as by the door that you can drop them out. And as Michael said earlier, there's a place in the middle that you can say what your decision was today. And for everyone watching online and listening to the podcast, you can go to belongdfw.com or .tv. And all these resources are there. And you can fill out the connection card there. And we'd love to hear from you. You can also send us an email, prayer at belongdfw.com. And just let us know how we can pray for you. And if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today or is a, something of your life changing, we want you to take one additional step and type the word next, N-E-X-T, to 469-289-1114. What that simply will do is let us know that you took that step today so that we're able to follow up with you. 
Reminder that 14 days, if you can believe it, is Easter. So we want you to invite someone, someone who will say yes, because this is the number one time that people will say yes, and see if we can't fill up this little room. We're going to take all the regular furniture out and put all kinds of chairs in here and be prepared, and we're just working on some stuff. It's going to be a great day. And for those who are online and asking, you can also give to our church by going to givetobelong.com. It should be at the bottom of your screen already. So if you will stand to your feet with me, we're going to pray and be dismissed. Father God, I just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in Plano, Texas. And Lord, it's, it's going out all over the world. Lord, there's 52 countries of the world that have had a contact from what we're doing here in this ministry, Lord. It's just absolutely amazing to me to see what you're doing. Lord, I speak a blessing over everyone who sends a con- connection card in, Lord, and everyone who is sending a prayer request in, Lord, we are agreeing in faith with them that, Lord, you will answer those prayers. And Lord, I know in my own personal family, my my close family, that there's a, a, a situation that we're believing for you t- to do that it's a situation that only you can solve. And Lord, we're asking you daily, and Lord, we're petitioning you for those things. Lord, we believe prayer changes, saying, God, we're praying over those things. Lord, and the prayer requests that come in, Lord, we're praying over those. And Lord, I speak a blessing over one who's given into this ministry this week and paid their tithes and their offerings and those that are represented this morning as well. Lord, I speak your blessing over everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.